Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi everyone, today we are speaking about the power of subtraction. And to lead this conversation, I am joined by American scientist, engineering professor, and international best-selling author, Lighty Klotz, who is passionate about studying subtraction to help us realize its untapped potential. Lighty's research explores the overlap between engineering and behavioral science, and in his latest bestseller, Subtract, the Untapped Science of Less, he shows how adopting subtracting habits helps us create space for what's essential. You will learn that we often overlook subtraction and default to more in an attempt to feel better. And in Subtract, Lady shares numerous studies to prove how using subtraction to solve problems is a powerful option. Instead of piling on to-dos and accumulating more, Lady challenges us to consider stop-doings and choosing less, and he encourages us to adopt a less-is-more mindset. You will learn that subtraction is a great way to make room for progress and more of what matters. For example, when you remove clutter in your home, you will reduce the time you spend cleaning and gain time back to focus on more eventful things. Or by subtracting everyday distractions such as your phone notifications or social media apps, you will have greater focus each day. While subtraction can be hard, keeping the option to subtract in mind can help you unlearn or better manage bad habits so that you can live with greater intention. Be inspired by Lady's evidence-based studies on the power of subtraction and start paving your way to a more meaningful life. I have to say that your book, Subtract, was super fascinating. I <laughs> loved all of the studies that you shared. You shared a ton of scientific studies to support how choosing less over more can improve our lives and how subtraction can be equally as effective as an option as addition when it comes to problem solving. And I was like, yes, here we have <laughs> evidence to support that less really, really is more. And of course, I've been studying and researching this subject for four and a half years now, but at mm -hmm. the same time, I, you know, over the past three weeks, I've been talking about subtraction more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been talking to friends saying, oh, how can you subtract? What can you let go of? What can you do less of? So it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's like the best thing to hear from people who have like encountered my work is that it's just giving them more options and making them think of more things. So that's super nice to say. And I'm glad it's the case. Of course. Yeah. Now to get started, your research is in sustainable engineering, behavioral science and design, and you have run numerous studies to show the benefits of subtraction in these fields mm -hmm. and in our everyday. Now to right. give our audience some background on how your interest in subtraction began, can you describe the moment that you first realized the power of subtraction? Yeah. So this was if there was an epiphany in my thinking, it came, I was playing with my son. I was playing Legos, actually Duplos, because he was only three at the time. And so, and we're basically building a bridge out of the Duplos and the support towers on the bridge were different heights. So the bridge was crooked. And so using my civil engineering background, I reached behind me to grab a block to add to the shorter column that was supporting the bridge. And as I turned back towards the soon to be bridge, my three-year-old son, Ezra, was removing a block from the taller tower. And so my impulse had been to add to the short support, but in that moment I realized it was wrong or at least only half as good. And, you know, taking away from the tall support was a faster and more efficient way to create a level bridge. You know, that's, that's the epiphany. But as you said, I mean, I had, I had studied sustainable design, studied engineering, studied behavioral science, and I'd been trying to kind of convert my interest in less and kind of this end state into something I could study instead of just philosophize about. And um, I think this was, this really helped me boil it down into something that could be studied. Because if you look at the, the bridge, the Lego bridge is essentially a situation that we're trying to make better, right? And we've since studied this in physical situations that we're trying to make better, but also social situations that we're trying to make better and ideas and thoughts that we're trying to make better. And in all of those cases, our first thought seems to be like, hey, what can we add? What can we add? And that's not necessarily a problem, but the problem is if we only think of adding add and move on, which I would have done if my son wasn't there in the Lego building movement and not even consider this whole class of options that that can make things better. Wow. That's amazing that in that moment you had that epiphany. You're like, oh, wow. I've never really thought of 
actually taking a cube out. I've played a lot of Legos in my day. So yeah, <laughs> I liked have, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really, really liked that example. That was great. And it makes me think about minimalism and how in many ways, a lot of people, when they're not satisfied in their life, they will add to their life. They will mm -hmm. try to buy something to make themselves feel better. And that's why the average household has 300,000 items in their home, <laughs> which is mind blowing. But if you really go around your house and you start counting every little tiny thing, it can add up. And that feeling can be quite fleeting. And so it, it's really interesting to see how you apply it to design and architecture and engineering. And But at the same time, we can apply it to our everyday lives as well. And you talk a lot about that in your book, which I found super fascinating. And it, it made me as a reader start asking myself important questions, even though I have been for the past four and a half years, but it's still, I still have to work on it. I've I really learned how to let go of things that don't serve me and and, yeah. you know, this, these are behaviors and habits that I've built over the years that's been helpful to me. But my old self, I would always tend to add over subtract. Let's say I wasn't feeling good. I would go to the store and I would buy that item because I right, knew right. it would make me feel good, but it would only yeah. make me feel good for a couple hours or a day. Mm -hmm. So there was a lesson to be learned there. And I learned through your book that most people tend to overlook subtraction when it comes to problem solving. So I'm curious, why is our default mode more? And can you share a study to support how we tend to overlook it? Yeah, well, there we have 20 studies that were in the papers. I won't bore you with all of them. And I, the one thing that's interesting, though, like we studied it across writing and organizing our days. And as you know, like writing, there are all these best practices like Strunk and White, one of their classic advice, omit needless words, right? So there's these tips of, hey, subtract, but people still added by and large, even to improve summaries of writing, they added to jam-packed travel itineraries. For me, the most, if I can share one, I guess, the most convincing one is the these grid patterns that we created because all of the kind of real world examples, you could be like, well, Kelly just grew up playing with Legos and she's used to adding with them. And so this is just explained by how she has learned to interact with this situation. And the grid patterns, the basic idea was to make these grids symmetrical from left to right and top to bottom. And the specifics don't matter much other than there, one way to make them symmetrical was to add to three different quadrants. And the other way to make them symmetrical was to subtract from one quadrant. So, and we challenge people to do this in as few uh, actions as possible, right? So now you've got the correct answer is obviously to subtract once you think about it. And it's not a situation that people have assigned value to because of previous actions with a similar situation. And so when people were, and, and they did, people added more than they subtracted in these grid situations, that's evidence that, hey, this is not because we think of subtracting and then say, hey, I don't want to do it because of, for some reason, it's just we're not thinking about it. And then the grids allowed us to do a couple other things that kind of show that this is just something we're systematically overlooking, which, for example, when we gave people reminders when they were doing the grids, you say, okay, hey, remember, you can add or subtract to solve this. More people subtracted. And you're like, well, of course, more people do anything when they're reminded, but more people didn't add, right? So what that showed was that people, the adding was redundant the adding reminder was redundant with what people were already thinking and the subtracting reminder brought new ideas to mind. So I think the the grids, if I had one study to hang my hat on, is probably that one. Yeah, you shared quite a few in your book and, and I won't share them because a lot of them are so great. <laughs> they really make you think and realize that people oh, just really prefer adding more than they do subtracting. And mm -hmm. and you, you actually shared one example, a, a grocery example. or So basically participants had the option to oh, choose yeah. from a bunch of food items or electronics and they could put it in a virtual cart. And mm -hmm. then you challenge them to put that in a paper bag. And then right. from there, you challenge them to put all those items into a single bag. And uh, the majority had difficulty subtracting. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a virtual task, right? I mean, it's like you're, <laughs> it's a totally artificial virtual task. And it was useless. Some of the stuff was useless, right? It's like tape rolls and, and people were like, oh, I can't get rid of that and get it down. Like they fail to accomplish the task. That was, um, Stephanie Preston at University of Michigan has done a lot of work on like kind of consumption and how innate it is. And yeah, that's, that was, it's a really powerful example. And I think, you know, it's kind of, 
it's not so much hey this is silly stuff that humans do it's more like hey like this is serious right this is like hardwired into us this desire and we need to kind of be deliberate about overcoming it yeah it reminded me of the past so when i went to university i remember i wrote i I did an undergrad in in writing and and journalism and so i took a ton of writing courses and i remember one of my professors saying hey can you change this news article so i changed the news article and i remember i had made it much much shorter and he's like yes you got the task correct this was what i was challenging you to do i wanted you to make it shorter i wanted you to, to subtract i wanted you to eliminate flowery words because that was something that I had trouble with I I would always add these flowery words to make things Fun, sound yeah. better yeah and then I learned the lesson <laughs> earlier in actually high school I learned you know you get, need to get rid of all that and the fancy yeah. duotang less is more and yeah. so speaking of which how would you describe the relationship between minimalism and subtraction yeah I think that was that's a really important question I think that was a little bit of the reason I couldn't kind of put my finger on what I was interested in until the the Lego thing is just like kind of a confusion of those two things. Like I, um, you know, I had always been interested in like elegant building designs, for example, right? Or like modernist architecture. It's like, oh, that's really cool. But it's like, that's the end state, right? And I think that's the difference. You know, subtraction is an action and minimalism. I mean, I guess minimalism is a whole philosophy, but kind of less is definitely an end state, right? And sometimes this end state results from subtraction and those are the cases that we're talking about but there are other times less or minimalism can result from not doing anything which is fine but it's just there's a lot of difference between those two cases right and it's only by subtracting that we get to the more rare and i think rewarding type the kind of less beyond more right you've already thought of you've deliberately considered the option of adding or you've even added something to begin with and then you said no this is actually going to be better if i strip something away and it requires more thought it requires more actions but the the rewards are there too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you really realize that living this way and i was gonna say like i yeah i, I was gonna just ask like because one of the questions that we often get is do you see carryover right do you see carryover from people who are learn to subtract because they're editors and then are they able to have tidy living rooms? And I don't, I feel like we haven't found any evidence that like, okay, there's something that just makes you a great subtractor in all walks of life. But I also think there's huge power to just realize, you know, having some examples in your own life where you subtracted and it turned out better. It just gives you a little more courage to do it in the next situation. I don't know if you've, yeah, if that matches with your experience. So we always advise our listeners to, if they're starting to adopt this lifestyle, to start to declutter their closet, because that is usually an area that people have a lot of difficulty with. So they start by decluttering their closet, and then they realize the great reward in building a smaller, high-quality capsule wardrobe. And then they realize, wow, my schedule is just overwhelming. And now I should take breaks. I should clear some things in my schedule so that I have more space to do X. And then they start realizing, oh, wow, I don't need these trinkets Mm -hmm. in my home, in my kitchen. And so it falls into every area of their lives. And so that is the pattern that I am seeing. It's like, oh, I removed this from my life or, oh, I, I started managing my mental clutter and it made me want to manage all the physical excess in my home. So it can start yeah. in different areas, but it, it, it's fascinating that you you learn how to eliminate the excess in one area and then it just inspires you to do so in another area. That's really, yeah, that's super fascinating. My next book's about like kind of the relationship between physical spaces and the thoughts that are in our head. And as you know, there's like a lot of relationship there, but so for some reason we just kind of disconnect it. And so it kind of matches with what we, what the science would say that, hey, you declutter your closet and, you know, it makes you feel a little less anxious, for example, but also kind of shows you that subtraction is an option for your schedule and, and for your, the thoughts that are in your head. So yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. Thank you. I had a friend come over the other day and he said, wow, your place is so peaceful. <laughs> and he, I said, that's yeah. Peaceful. And he just. He just moved into a new space. Uh-huh. He goes, I just moved into a new space and it's just so compact. And I'm realizing I need to get rid of everything this weekend. And I said, uh-huh. yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're I'm, I'm, I'm living by example. Right. So I, I'm, I'm I'm inspiring him by living the way that I do without pushing him to do the same thing. Right. He's realizing the benefits just by being in the same room. And yeah. I, I, I have to add. So I started reading your book a few weeks ago and 
you know, when I'm reading a book, I start really getting invested in that book. And so whenever I run into someone, I start talking about, oh yeah, I happen to be reading this book. I ran into a friend and he was walking to work. He goes, I'm so burnt out. And I said, oh, like, I hate to hear that. I've, I've been through it many times myself and yeah. I'm working on managing it. And I said, well, you know, I'm reading this book called Subtract. <laughs> and I challenge you to subtract something from your day that might yeah. actually make you feel better. And you should have seen the look on his face. It was a sense of relief. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go to work and I'm going to see what I can remember. <laughs> it was yeah. really cool. It was awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, that's so Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, and it's so like, it seems so obvious when you recommend it, right? But uh, I know that work is one of the last places or one of the hardest places, I guess, to kind of, to think of doing that. Um, it's also, I like how you framed how he framed your space as peaceful because it's like that has nothing to do with square footage or the types of materials or anything like that. It's all like, and so often with space, we get focused on these kind of quantifiable things. And it's like, no, you can make a peaceful space that is uh, independent of how much it costs, for example, or, you know, where it's located. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's true. He didn't point out that I had a dated couch. He just said, right. oh, your place is so peaceful. peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thank you. And I actually have one more story. So I had also had another friend who was on a dating uh, app and yeah. she had a ton of matches. I was just shocked when I saw it. There were over 50 matches. And I thought to myself, Jesus. and she said to me, she goes, I'm overwhelmed by dating. And she says, it's so hard to find someone. And so I opened the app and I was like, well, this might be why you have to, <laughs> you should declutter. Yeah. So get this 24 hours later, she decluttered and uh -huh. she met someone a week later. And, it, awesome. and, and maybe that's her story, but it really was less overwhelming for her because of course, sometimes people feel the pressure to be a people pleaser, to get back to everyone. And so that's just an example of, Hey, here's an area that you can remove or subtract. So that was, that was really exciting. So it's another great example, but now when it comes back to subtraction, you also yeah, yeah. show how the tendency to neglect subtraction is deep rooted in psychological, social, and economic influences. Now, how can we begin to unlearn these influences and approach each day with the thought of what can I take away or what can I do less of instead of adding or doing more? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, any behavior that you find where we have this kind of heuristic where, hey, we're jumping right to adding, it's like, it's, it's usually a combination of things, whether it's been helpful from an evolutionary perspective, it's something that's ingrained in our culture and, you know, socioeconomic systems kind of push us in that direction. So biologically, you know, we, you know, some of that kind of consuming behavior that we talked about with the shopping cart, I mean, that's tied into just, hey, stockpiling stuff, whether eating it immediately or just stockpiling it in general has been a good way for our species to survive through scarcity. Um, mm -hmm. So you could see how that would be an evolutionary helpful behavior um your friend's example where he's kind of doing all this stuff at work or at least when i do all this stuff at work there's another biological desire just to display competence to just show that we can effectively interact with the world and um the classic example of that is the bowerbirds so the, the male bowerbirds will go build peaceful nests i guess and then the, the female bowerbirds go and decide which male to mate with based on the how much they like the nest and then the female bowerbird goes and builds a nest to shelter the young to raise the young and so the whole point of the the nest is to show that the male can effectively interact with the world and this isn't like a male female thing we all have this desire to display competence and that competence also extends to task completion right so when i check something off my to-do list or when i have like look at a busy schedule at work or my boss sees a busy schedule at work then you know you're, it's you're kind of displaying competence whereas if you subtract something you might very well be effectively interacting with the world, but the evidence isn't necessarily there. So that's a something we can learn from the biology. I think on the the culture side, if you look at you know the history of civilization, you could argue that for a long time adding has been better, right? That our our opportunities for minimalism, our opportunities to subtract from our workday, our opportunities to not eat every piece of food that you know, crosses in front of our face, like those are relatively new opportunities, right? And so for a long time, more has been better culturally in terms of just kind of building civilization. And then, I mean, there's the economic piece. And I, I think this is more 
just the when people and society confuses progress with growth right and i think that growth is obviously an additive thing i think what most of us are after is is progress uh on a social level and economic level and um so when we confuse those two that that can also kind of pull us towards towards adding so it's just helpful to kind of understand what some of those forces might be so that we can work against them and i think you know your question kind of ended with that is and i quite frankly answers it a little bit which you know a big part of it is just asking yourself each day right how can i take things away or what should i do less of um and it that works because it's a a reminder that's built into your process if the first problem here is that we're not even thinking about it well if you can force yourself to think about it on a daily or whenever you're making critical decisions that's getting you a, lo a long way towards finding more of these options that you've been missing. And so, you know, hopefully my book helps with that. It kind of rearranges the mental furniture a little bit, but I think anybody listening to this podcast after you're done listening can say, okay, here are the five times I make critical decisions. Here's how I'm going to remind myself to subtract in them. So like I will, when I do my to-do list, also force myself to think of stop doings or even on annual reports at work, I will put in, here's the stuff I'm not going to do next year because I'm taking on these other things. So those are examples of kind of building it into your process. Mm -hmm. When you see to-do lists in, in stores, we should have a subtract list. Yeah. My, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, my, uh, my publisher was thinking about like making those, but then they thought that it would be um, weird to be giving away a lot of swag. It would be like against the, um, against the premise of the book to subtract, but I agree. Like a stop doing list would be great. I love that idea. I think, yeah, we're always, we're always choosing to add, but there is biological proof in your book that we as humans are always subtracting as well. Our brains are subconsciously subtracting, yeah, as yeah. you said, to protect mm -hmm. our mental bandwidth. You said, you said it's called synaptic pruning, and, uh, you know, we potentially have the conscious opportunity to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, there, are, you go back to biology and look about, look at adding and subtracting and arguably that whole mechanism, right? Adaptation and then selection. Selection is a very subtractive thing. So that is working by this combination of adding and subtracting. And like you mentioned, with our synaptic pruning in our brains, that's why it's one of the reasons why it's important to sleep. When we sleep, our brain will trim the i mean it's a gross oversimplification but whatever it'll trim the <laughs> trim the pathways we're using less and that makes it so there's more resources for the pathways that we're using more and so our body's doing this naturally in a lot of uh in a lot of ways and we can take inspiration from that mm -hmm. and back to the subtract list i i mentioned in an email to you i was listening to dr Ranjan Chatterjee's podcast. Uh, it's called Feel Better, Live More. And he spoke uh -huh. with Max Lugavere about nutrition and the foods that we should eat and shouldn't eat. And he talked about how he found more benefit in helping people subtract food from their diets than, than focusing on what to bring in. And I found uh -huh. that super fascinating uh, because we're always thinking, oh, what can I, you know, even my, my mom and dad, oh, what can I eat that will make me healthier <laughs> versus, yeah. hey, what can you eliminate from your diet that isn't healthy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's so funny too, because that's one where I'm not, it's not just an option, but it's like arguably the better, easier, more cost-effective option, right? It's like, all you're yeah. saying is don't do this thing that is already taking time. And and yet people, I don't know, it's easier to hear advice about like, go start buying pomegranates or whatever and uh, add that right. to your diet. Right. Yeah. Also cost more. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Now, considering the underuse of subtraction, what are the consequences of choosing more over less or what are we losing out on? Yeah, I mean, this is a little cliche, but it's pretty powerful, I think, is that like when you say yes to something, you're saying no to every single thing other than that thing you just said yes to, which so you're like you're missing out on all the other possibilities, especially when it comes to time, right? Because the time is a finite resource. So yeah, it's options, options, options. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. And I I also was listening to Lori Santos. She's a professor oh, yeah. of psychology at Yale. Mm -hmm. And she has a podcast called The Happiness Lab. And she says that happiness requires taking things away. And I loved mm -hmm. that. And she also goes into how taking things away and how subtraction is good for our mental well-being. Mm -hmm. And so that made me think, okay, so what are we losing out on? We're losing out on the opportunity to be happier in our everyday. That's huge. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, Laurie would know more than me about this, but I think, you know, just like the, the cognitive load that we're under, right. Um, and I, uh, so basically the things that are taxing our mental bandwidth, you know, that, that brings anxiety, that brings overwhelm and reducing that is, a can be a good thing. Now, not everybody is anxious and overwhelmed and some people need more cognitive, like more stimulation to their, but I think as one pathway to kind of finding mental happiness, that's, that's one. I also like one of the cases I make in the book is how it ties into these flow states, right? So your flow state is when you're so immersed in what you're doing that time passes kind of imperceptibly, right? All of a sudden there's one minute left in the game or the disc jockey announces the last song or, you know, you've reached the last step in the Lego directions. And the guy who kind of talks about flow lays out a convincing case that this represents like optimal mental experience. And the the key he argues and, you know, kind of shows with evidence too, is the, the alignment between a challenge and our ability, right? So if you're like so overwhelmed with something or you can't see how you're going to accomplish the task, it's hard to find flow, but you also don't want it to be so easy. And I would think that these cases where you've, where you're decluttering your closet, for example, that can produce a flow state, right? Because you're like immersed in the activity. It's within the realm of possibility. Like you're able to accomplish the task and it's, it's kind of keeping you in this in this flow state. Um, I'd also think about it, maybe the closet maybe doesn't always put me in flow, but in terms of writing, right? It's like after you've got that crappy first draft and then you can just like kind of start whittling away words and making it better. That to me is often puts me into this flow experience because it's doable now, right? It's like, I've done the hard work of getting the big ideas onto the paper. Now I can see the end is in sight and I can see the progress that I'm making and it, fundamentally what I'm doing is subtracting. So I think in addition to the kind of cognitive load piece, also the, you know, just the act of doing it, right? The I think sometimes we we think that we're going to be happy if we're not doing anything. And I don't know, that's never the case for me anyway. You die when you retire, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you said, quote, that subtraction is part of getting to that minimal state. Uh, you also said, quote, when we add more than we subtract, it can cause us to lose out on good options. It also causes us to clutter our homes and schedules and minds. And yeah. then you you also mentioned that it can ruin our lives if stress is related to adding objects. Mm-hmm. And by subtracting, it can help us manage addictive behaviors or information overload. And you're making me think about the moments where, oh, I, I love it when I, I put all my ideas onto a paper, piece of paper, well, virtually, and then I, yeah. I, I, I go through them meticulously and I refine it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. in that experience, it makes me feel a sense of peace and clarity. And it's so interesting. I mean, it reminds me back my university days, I would go to my university lectures, especially before I had a, I don't know, a really tiny laptop because back then... <laughs> I didn't have those options. So I go, I would go to my university classrooms and I would, I would bring a paper and pen and I would write down notes the entire time I'm there. And then I would come home and then I would place those notes into a word document. And then mm-hmm. I would assemble from there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like very careful process, but the process was, again, you're getting to that minimal state and you're subtracting, but you're learning in the process as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's one of the more satisfying things I do is take, like I'll read stuff on Kindle and then I take my highlights and kind of like move them around and arrange them in my brain. And it's, it does, I, you know, I like the act of it, but I also like after you've done it, like you said, you kind of feel like you've removed a, a burden, right? No longer are you kind of holding all these things, but you, you know how they fit. Yeah. Now, can you share an example of how subtraction can save us time or give us options we didn't know that we had? Yeah, I guess one little one and one big one, maybe. So it's like uh, the little one, just, you know, this, this something as simple as the stop doings. And I, I think, you know, it's a reminder, but it also flips around this, this competence idea, right? Because if you're saying, okay, Kelly, once a week, I'm going to do my stop doings, then you're showing competence by taking away. And it's the same way if your annual reviews are now the boss is asking for stop doings on your annual reviews, you're showing competence by giving them the things that you're not going to do. So that's, you know, just in terms of time, I think climate change and some of these big issues, I mean, so many people are like, okay, how do I help with this? Do I like put a solar array on my roof or, you know, buy 
electric vehicle. And it's like, yeah, those are fine things. But what about just looking at where your money is now? Right. And so it's like, are you invested in fossil fuels? Maybe like divest from fossil fuels. And that literally costs nothing. Right. You take your money out of the fossil fuels and put it into something else. You're not losing money. And it's mm -hmm. um, so you're you're taking this, you know, big, complicated system, climate change and the tie in with fossil fuels and you're you're subtracting to to make it better. Mm -hmm. Well, actually living this way by owning less, you're automatically living more sustainably and living sustainably has always been important to me, but it wasn't until I adopted this lifestyle that I realized, oh, wow, here's all these opportunities for me to reduce my environmental footprint. And yeah. by owning less, you start taking better care of the things that you own. Mm -hmm. You don't own as many items. So you start appreciating them more. So they That's last longer. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. And I, we, um, I just had my students do the carbon footprint activity. So you go online and do these calculations and it tells you how many earths would be required if everybody lived like you. And wow. when you start to get into the, to those things, it's like reducing the square footage that you have, reducing the vehicle miles traveled. I mean, all these, those things that align with minimalism are the, the big hitters. It's not, you know, it's not something we can buy our way out of. And when I'm speaking about saving us time, you actually mentioned your book. You said you just reiterated, you know, some of the things that we lose when it comes to addition. You said we burn through our most valuable resource. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we do. You have to be so careful. And I, I think one of the first things that I adopted in this lifestyle is a bullet journal. Okay. Uh, have you heard about the bullet journal method? No. Well, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. So. Oh, okay. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it. it's basically a journal. It's a way yeah. for me to manage my my daily tasks and also record my past accomplishments and hmm. my future goals. And so it's helped me actually eliminate certain things because you're seeing what you're doing every day. And it also gives mm -hmm. you the satisfaction of crossing things out. You know, yeah. You're physically crossing things out. Okay, yeah. I feel accomplished. <laughs> I it's great. It. Yeah. 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 And then you have non-negotiable time blocks in your calendar that say, hey, go grab a coffee, go do nothing clear your mind, clear your schedule. Uh, yeah. So That's I, huge. Like putting those blocks into the calendar because yeah. then it's, then you're also reminding yourself that that like pleasurable time is brought to you by subtraction. And one thing, like people will always ask me like, well, sh what should I subtract? And it was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like it depends on what your goals are. And I think that's, what's really cool about the bullet journal. It sounds like is that you're like constantly and ruthlessly kind of focused on, on what your goals are. And that gives you clarity on, okay, does adding bring me closer to the goals or does subtracting bring me closer to the goals? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you can actually see where you're spending your time, which is great. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like I was talking to my three-year-old who's now an eight-year-old and he, um, on the way to school today, and he said that they're journaling every day, like first thing in school. And it's like, how cool is that? And, um, and wow. they actually are like challenged to reflect. It's not quite as like goal directed, but they do. It's like, Hey, what happened this weekend and give three details about it. So I, I, and I was like, that is so cool to be having that kind of writing to complement the reading that is so often the focus at that age. So yeah. I love that they're integrating or they're showing the value in reflection at the right. top of the day. Yes. That's so important. It's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so yeah. rare. But I mean, maybe that's that's where we're going. I think yeah. I think our culture in general, we we appreciate reflection. We I believe that we are more vulnerable. We're more open to speaking our minds, right? We now have a, a bigger voice than we've ever had before, which is great. But mm -hmm. I, I wanted to add, I don't know if you heard, but Canadian tech giant Shopify, they mm. just announced that they're removing all meetings. <laughs> Yeah, Did you hear that? I heard it. I didn't know they were a Canadian company. They um, and they use like a lot of the language from the book. And I was like, I wonder if the CEO read the book, but um, because you know that that is awesome. Yeah, to and I think like removing all meetings and then adding them back because when I talk to organizations, it's one of the first things that comes up. Hey, we have too many meetings, and yep. So so often they kind of take well should we subtract this meeting or that meeting? And then every meeting there's like, of course there's a reason for it, right? It's not like it was completely useless. It's just not as useful as what you'd be doing with the time otherwise. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's really cool. Like eliminating all meetings kind of solves that problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The title yeah. could, or the article could have been about subtraction. <laughs> could have yeah. just said, Hey, we are subtracting meetings. I mean, I, if you, a lot of people will ask me, what do you, how do you define minimalism? And I have various ways of defining it, but I could simply say it's removing the excess. It's subtracting the excess from your life. Right. So there really yeah. is a great, strong relationship there.
that's interesting. So you view minimalism as like a process as a, mm -hmm. yeah. In which case yeah, subtraction is core to that. That's yeah, interesting. It's, yeah. it's a process to, to uncover. So basically you remove the excess. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then once you've removed the excess, then you need to manage it. But now you have all this space and time back and clarity to think about what you want to do next. So it's about removing the excess and then being intentional with this time back that you gain from mm -hmm. removing that excess so that you can live a more meaningful and fulfilling lifestyle. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Um, one of the, cause the sequence is right. And, you know, there's this classic like organizational improvement thing called start, stop, continue, right? It's like, what things are we going to start? What are we going to continue? What are we going to stop? It's like, no, you need to stop first, right? You need to figure out, you need to strip down before, because if you don't discontinue stuff, you're not going to, you're not evaluating the right system to add stuff back into. So that's interesting. Who thought of that? I think that's fascinating. The that. start, stop, continue? Yeah. I don't know. It's a... Uh, it's been different organizations will talk about using it. Yeah. I'm going to look just into use that. it in the opposite order. Use it in the stop and then think about continue and then start. But you yeah. know, the Shopify is a huge stop, right? It's like stopping the meeting. The other mm -hmm. cool thing is uh, that I've heard on my travels talking to organizations is um, like reverse pilots. And okay. I, had, I had never heard of it before. And it was like, makes so much sense, but we never do it. Right. It's like, you yeah. always, you're always like, oh, let's try this new thing and see how it works. And we'll stop if it's not working. And we never say like, oh, let's just stop this thing for three months. And we can always add it back after three months. But right. Um, yeah. Right. So might make it more, more likely to subtract in the long run. Cause that's yeah. like, kind of gets to the pandemic, right. Where it's like, Hey, this was at horrific cost forced us to, was like a reverse pilot it's a subtractive pilot in a lot of ways and like some of those things we saw hey you know it's not that bad to not be able to go to the grocery store every day um or whatever yeah yeah there are numerous numerous articles online that i read about subtraction uh yeah. some of which you wrote or got interviewed by now there was an article in the globe and mail uh, which yeah. is uh, from from here in Canada. It's called the pandemic has forced us all to subtract from our lives to reinforce the power of subtraction. But and and I really want to talk about this because I'm I'm curious in terms of your research today. I'm you know there was a time where we were forced to subtract, as you say, and we started realizing the benefits that come from removing all this excess because we're in our homes and we feel distracted and we're trying to clean them so that we can have this level of focus. But yeah. do you see people continuing to embrace subtraction today? I mean, I wouldn't say we're post pandemic yet, but we're getting there. I guess it's really hard for like the people that I interact with now have already like embraced this concept, right? So I'm like dealing with a really skewed sample, okay. but it does seem like, yeah. And it's so certainly more people are embracing subtraction that I talk to. I also think that if, if, you know, you go back to what we talked about right off the top, which is like, we're basically using adding as a substitute for thinking. And we just kind of move along in that mode of being until something comes in to interrupt it. It could be like, hey, Kelly gets interested in minimalism and starts to practice it. Or it could be a pandemic forces us to just totally drastically change our way of life. And I think, you know, that's the thing that I've seen, like at a horrific cost, it kind of shook people out of the way we've always done things. And it's interesting how it, you know, caused a reflection on, on life and how we want to be living it for a lot of people. Um, and so I think it in that way kind of got us past the the noticing hurdle for subtraction, right? It's like, okay, here's, you know, now you're not commuting anymore. Do you really miss your commute? <laughs> and nobody's like, oh yeah, I really miss my commute. I mean, you might miss some things that are related to it, but, and then I guess the challenge is trying to to keep these things, keep the things we like that we've been forced to stop. Um, I don't know. What What do you think? How do you think the the zeitgeist has changed since uh, because of the pandemic? I mean, just from my peers and my network, I can see that a lot of people have let go of certain areas. I, I had a friend tell me the other day that the pandemic changed his life for the better because mm -hmm. he was able to remove all this stuff. Yeah. Now, for my co-host and I, we found that Obviously, when we're not commuting to work, we're working from home. Well, she did part partially, but I have fully now I'm fully working from home. And, uh -huh. you know, you gain this time back. You can do you can make lunch at home. You can you know do laundry while you're working. Things like that have mm -hmm. given me time back and made me reflect and realize, wow, I can design my work around my life. And when I when I started thinking about that idea, I was like, OK, this is great. And then, of course, 
the pandemic is slowing yeah. down. And so corporations are like, okay, let's get back to this old normal or this new normal right. and let's let's make it more exhausting. I mean, even during the pandemic, they were saying, okay, well, you know, it's not as fast, fast paced as it used to be. So let's do more Zoom meetings and more Zoom meetings, right? And so we yeah. get <laughs> Zoom fatigue and all this was happening. And there was a part of my my co-host and I were thinking, gosh, I don't really want to go back. I, I almost had a little bit of anxiety. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go back to what it was. I really like the reflection, the time back that I've gained, not that I have much time back, but those right. little moments that I have that have made me feel happier and more myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were, there were less rules and I could create more rules for myself. And when you have that flexibility, there's more freedom. So I would say yeah. I had this sense of freedom during the pandemic. And now I feel like everything's trying to get back to normal. However, I feel like some corporations as Shopify, for example, and yeah. a lot of individuals have changed and realized that there are things in life that are very meaningful to them, like their family and their friends. And they're realizing that they shouldn't be fully focused on just their work life and that there are other things in life that are important. And I think that even in my work environments, I've realized that, or the people that I work with, that they do value that more. And they appreciate mm -hmm. that more. So I think in obviously the pandemic was awful and there are a lot of things to be sad about. But at the same time, there are a lot of things that were great. It made people wake up, made people reflect. So, yeah. And then if you can, I mean, keep the good things and remove the bad things about the pandemic, right? It's like if you were enjoying life more during the pandemic, imagine how much you're going to like it when it's not a pandemic, right? It's mm -hmm. like, hey, now I've got this more like streamlined or, you know, more process that I'm more in control of. One thing that I noticed was you mentioned this kind of reducing the borders between like work and life. And I just noticed like, hey, when I go for a run, like I'm having really good ideas during my run, right? That's like a really good time to get work done. And yeah, I can't just run all the time and never read anything or never talk to anybody or never listen to anything. But like that as part of my routine, you know, stuff's happening in that time. And I think it kind of broke me away from this. Okay, work only happens when you're staring at the computer or when you're, you know, in a classroom or when you're at an office. Yeah, well said. Our best thoughts come in the shower. Yes. <laughs> or when we step away from our desk for five minutes. I'm a yeah. runner myself. I actually oversee a 5k run in Toronto in addition oh, to cool. the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's super rewarding. You know, it's inspired me to go for runs all the time. And obviously I can't right now because it's so cold, but yeah. it's really therapeutic. It really clears your mind. But I mm -hmm. find that even if I step away from my desk and I go grab a snack or something like that, the idea comes to my mind like, wow, I wouldn't have thought of that had I not stepped away for a moment. Exactly. So there's so yeah. much value in that. Yeah. 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 There's all this, there's a great book uh, by Annie Murphy, Paul called the extended mind. And it's a lot about how your, you know, your mind is not just your brain, right? It's like the world around you. And, you know, so there's just great anecdotes in there about people like, you know, famous scientists who go for a three hour walk on the cliffs overlooking the Pacific Ocean every day or whatever. And it's like, now I think about my run is like, okay, this is the thing that I need to do for my job. And it's like, that's an amazing way to, to kind of shift your perspective on on exercising. And it helps you kind of obviously exercise more too, which is good for more reasons than just for work. <laughs> now, is that something you do every day? Uh, I, I've had to like not do it every day so I don't get injured, but pretty, yeah, I'll do something every day. Yeah. Yeah. Do um, something every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Some type of, uh, exercise, even if it's 20 minutes and, you know, I've done a lot of research in terms of getting natural light. So going yes. out in the morning, even for 10, 20 minutes, just to get to natural light and you'll sleep better in the evening. Anyways, it's the Huberman lab. Yeah. It's an amazing podcast. So. <laughs> there's a, and there's also this, um, thing I learned about called I think it was in Annie's book uh transient hyperfrontality which is like I guess after you exercise really hard for like 40 minutes it kind of you just kind we're talking about that cognitive burden right and you just feel things kind of melt away so it's it's that feeling and so there's that benefit to it too but that 
I don't know if that's the thing that I would like try to do every day. And then I ended up injuring my body. So like, yeah, you have to be so like, careful. selective. Yeah. You have selective. to be so careful when it comes to running, but it's a, it's a great way to clear your mind, but you can also walk too. You don't have to run. That's true. So, yeah. so to start to close in your book, you talk about how it's easy to mistake less for loss. Mm. I want to bring this up because many of us have an emotional attachment to our things. Now, what would you say to these people to help them shift their mindset to see less as more? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we've kind of shifted it a little bit, right? Because I think, you know, the the whole premise here is how do you subtract to make things better, right? And so less is not the same as loss. Uh, it's like the, to take it back to Marie Kondo, it's like the t-shirt that you're getting rid of, that's not the end state. The end state is the, the tidy closet. So yeah, like if you're focused on the t-shirt, you're going to feel a little bit of loss. Whereas if you're focused on the the vision, which she does a really great job of saying like, Hey, envision the, the tidy living space or get rid of, you know, focus on sparking joy. When you kind of stay focused on that vision, then it might help you feel like the subtraction is not a loss. Right. And as you said, because as soon as we categorize something as a loss, we're going to feel bad about it. And yeah, so there's that piece. And then I think the other side of it is just kind of flipping it around, right? Like inverting it because, you know, the, as you said, the reason you're subtracting in a lot of cases with minimalism is to be able to fill back up that time or to, to have that time do something else for you. And so kind of focusing on, on that instead of the thing that you're taking away will help shift that perspective a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now you talked about removing a t-shirt. I always yeah. remind our listeners that you know, that t-shirt might spark memories, but if you're not wearing it and it's not useful to you, then you should get rid of it. And yes, there will be a feeling of loss in that moment, but I guarantee you in a week later, you will not remember that t-shirt even existed in your closet. So that's yes. the thing. So. <laughs> so true. And somebody else might want to wear it. It'll give them joy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, when you donate all those items, you get this amazing helpers high. Uh, yeah. I, I believe, yeah, it was a past guest we had who, who, who quoted that. I thought that was so great. You really do feel a helpers high. It's, it's yeah. amazing. I mean, it feels better to give than to get certainly. So yeah, definitely. Actually, I also interviewed Gretchen Rubin previously. She oh, really? has a yeah. book called outer order inner calm. And she talks all about that. So if our listeners want to learn more, but to close our conversation today, I have three rapid fire questions for you. Uh -oh. but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just quick little answers. What okay. is one thing that you've recently subtracted from your life that you feel has improved your every day? Mm, carrying my son's dishes to the dishwasher for him. Now he does it for himself. It's hard in parenting. So you wanted rapid answers, but I'll give a little context. The, <laughs> yeah, just like with parenting, it's really hard to stop doing things for your kids, right? You feel like you should provide everything possible. But so now when I when he accomplishes something new, it's like, okay, you need a coach for your soccer team. Well, you can now carry your dishes to the dishwasher. So that's been a good subtraction for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a side note. You used to be a professional soccer player. Yeah, we played. Uh, there was a there was the Toronto Lynx at the time. We we would come up and play against. I remember playing in the stadiums. Probably there. It's still it's like the big municipal stadium. I was also a soccer player myself. So oh yeah, really? It's very cool to learn. Yeah, yeah. Twelve years, but for a lo local a town outside of Toronto. So I would just go That's through awesome. Ontario, but it was fun. It's it's a it's a minimalist game. There's this. Um, I'll oh. give another plug. <laughs> yeah, There's do this, it. I'll I'll send you the the link but it's um this guy brian phillips he's like an essayist and he's he really loves soccer too and he did this whole thing for he did like 22 goals to explain the world cup and he like so he released a podcast every week for 22 weeks up but one of them he was like making the case which i like i so wanted to make in my book but it was like you know this is just forcing soccer in here because okay. i like soccer but he's making the case that soccer is great because it's minimalist right it's like the whole there's no rules really in soccer, right? It's like, put this ball in that goal. The only rule is a negative rule, which is you can't use your hands. And that's what makes it great. So it anyway. also costs much less than golf and tennis. Yes. Costs much less, which makes it so more people can play. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So what is one quote that you live by to remind our listeners about the power of subtraction? Oh, I like the quote that gets attributed to Lao Tzu, but the, um, to gain 
knowledge, add things every day to gain wisdom, subtract things every day. And mm. obviously, you know, I love ideas and knowledge, but that one kind of reminds you of the the power in subtracting in that domain too. Absolutely. Now, what is one question our listeners can ask themselves today to start embracing subtraction? It sounds obvious, but just like, have you considered, I guess, have you considered subtraction as a way to make this thing better? It's yeah. interesting because subtraction, people think, oh, it's, that's easy. Just right. subtract. No, yeah. it's actually quite complex. And yeah. when I read your book, I realized how complex and we really need to challenge ourselves. We need to ask these important questions. And I love from the top how you say that subtraction is as equally as effective as an option as addition. You mm -hmm. know, it's we most of us wouldn't see that. Like, And it makes us go, oh, interesting. I never really <laughs> thought about that. We've always yeah. thought about adding. And maybe it's because our parents, the baby boomers, you know, they, they learned the behavior of always adding things to their mm -hmm. lives. And we've learned to take away, especially Gen, Gen Z, the Gen Z, they're, they're all about less is more, which yeah. is fantastic, which as a minimalist, I'm adopting that mentality. So, so yeah. And, and I want to add that some, some key takeaways from your, from your book that really resonate with me. So you said that if subtracting is as useful as addition yet is used less often, there is mm -hmm. untapped potential. So we need to remind ourselves that subtraction is an option and we can learn from subtraction. And you said, quote, if we choose to add, it's not a problem. But if we aren't even considering subtraction, if we aren't seeing it at all, we are missing out. Love that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Very, very well said. It was so great. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Uh, again, I'm going to probably continually talk about subtraction for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> really embracing it. I love it. And I love that you 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 share scientific evidence to support everything that we do to really push the idea that less really is more and can really change people's lives for the better. So where can our listeners find you uh, on social media or 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 connect um, with you? I think I like my parents gave me a good Google name so you can find out the information yes. just by Googling me. Uh, I think the the book has all the good subtraction stuff. I am on Twitter. Like if you want to like tweet at me, I'll tweet back. I don't really like post a lot of interesting stuff. And but then I'm like easily discoverable on the Internet if you've got stuff that you want to talk about. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, lady. And we'll have to do this again soon. Yeah. Thanks, Kelly. This was great. I really, um, I mean, I really appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience, but I also appreciate the opportunity to learn from you and your, and your audience. It's been a really surprising feedback loop between like the science and how people are using it that will kind of inform the next science too. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you. And I look forward to your next book. <laughs> Me too. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening. That was my conversation with American scientist, engineering professor, and international best-selling author, Lady Klotz. And I hope that our discussion has left you feeling inspired to ask yourself questions such as, what can I take away? And what can I do less of? These questions will help you subtract or let go of the things, beliefs, or habits in your life that don't serve you. Plus, the next time you find yourself writing down a to-do list, perhaps you can also challenge yourself to write down a subtract list. I highly recommend that you read Lighty's bestseller, Subtract. And as always, you can find a link to this read and Lighty's website in our show notes. And lastly, I'd like to say a big thank you to those of you who have taken a moment to write us a kind rating and review on iTunes. We just had a wave of new reviews come in and we can't tell you how much your words mean to us. They keep us motivated, they help us grow our community and also help us bring on more notable guests like Lighty. So thanks again for listening and I will speak with you next week. Bye-bye.